Boutini. So what's up, man? Not a whole lot, Mike. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be recording. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute, right? Yeah. Heard you uh you had a little one join the world. That's it. We got a we got another little one running around, a little gremlin. Heck yeah. Well not running, but more like just being. Yeah. Just Eating. hanging out, beating, <laughs> sleeping, pooping. Repeat. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eat, sleep, poop, repeat. Hey, that's a cool shirt. I'm sure it's been done. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, as always, guys, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. And this is Two Drunken Jawas. Sean, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, man. So, uh, if I don't know how to drink all my Coke Zero. So I guess I had to drink this Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey straight. So Kentucky Straight Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Straight Straight. Yeah. That's okay. My mama didn't raise no wuss. Right. Heard that. I'm drinking half-calf coffee. (laughs) I guess that makes sense because you kind of need to be on your toes for the little one. You need an upper, not a downer. Heard that. So we got one drunken Jawa tonight, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <sighs> nah. So, episode four. Bah, bah, bah. So, for those of you that are, are, are don't know or, or like, you know, I like to treat, treat each episode like a comic book because... Every comic book, no matter what issue, what story arc, is someone's first comic book. So if this is your first time on the show, we do contain spoilers for the show The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Today, we're going to be talking about episode four, which, I mean, most people are like, oh, you're way behind because they're about to play episode six tomorrow, right? Is it episode six they're playing tomorrow? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Fortunately, so, they're playing it, but unfortunately that we're not ready to record because, well, life happens. Heard that. Uh, Literally, a new life has begun in Mike's household, so. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, chapter four. Sanctuary. So, at this point, um, old boy's done, you know, kind of just ruined everything for everyone except for that little baby Yoda. Oh, you're saying, are you saying the Mandalorian is for his tribe and Jeopardy, his clan, his coven? Yeah, that himself, you know, he, he, I mean, he definitely ruined the Empire dude's day. <laughs> you, know, you know, and like, but you know, he he killed a bunch of people. You know, a bunch of people died. Yeah, no Mandalorian, Just, thankfully, right? But like, nobody had a real good time except for maybe the man. They probably had a blast. They had a blast for that fight, but I bet you they're like, man, wish we weren't hitchhiking <laughs> through the galaxy right now, trying to figure out where to live. Right. 
no, but sanctuary. Okay, let's let's talk about the opening scene. Mando's flying in on the racer crest. Good old child is sitting up there on the control panel. And he's flipping switches like you and I know the little babies like to mess with things they're not supposed to. And you can tell like the Mando, he's he has a little bit of patience for him. You know, he flips that switch on, but flips it off, flips it back on, it's like, okay, stop touching stuff. And he does, you know, the, the, the one thing that every child does. Looks at, you know, at the parent, slowly reaches over, <laughs> and flips something <laughs> on. He causes the whole ship to shake. And he's like, okay, okay, he's just going to pick you up. So I thought that was, I, for lack of a better, I thought it was really cute that he, you know, treated him like his own kid pretty much, you know. Like, hey, son, you want to ride up here in dad's lap? So I, I just thought the opening scene was really cute. It's, of course, that everyone, was, everyone know, knows BB Yoda's cute, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? It's like, uh, it reminds me of my two-year-old, because that's just something she would do. It's hilarious. <laughs> you know, it, it almost, you know, it's it's like a bond. Like, we talked about that bond earlier that was, like, instant, but now it's, like, growing. Yeah, it, Completely we'll get into it later on in the episode about that, but just you know, you can see that they're getting along. Yeah. Well, more towards factual stuff. Um. So the big, uh, big thing in this episode is we meet Kara, or you know, we meet the uh, ex Shock Trooper. And for those of you who don't know who Shock Troopers were, or if you do, I'm just going to reiterate. Shock Troopers were, they, they like, um, they helped the Alliance uh, during the time, you know, during the Civil War, they helped the Alliance try to, uh, you know, fend off the Empire pretty much. And uh, after the Battle of Endor, which, you know, you don't know what the Battle of Endor was, is the Ewoks. And it's episode six, the end of episode six, when they, uh, you know, destroy the, the, the shield generators for the Death Star and the, the Death Star. Anyway, so after that battle and they hunt down, um, the Shark Troopers used to hunt down like Imperial Warlords. And after that, they just pretty much became Keepers of the Peace. And in the episode, Kara said, well, that wasn't the, uh, the life for her. She was more of a, you know, kick butt and take names kind of gal. So she said, quote unquote, let's just say it was an early retirement. And uh seems she has fled the, to the planet of Sorgan, where he meets her. And that's where he's trying to find a good place to set up camp. Or so he thought. So, you know, a little background of shock troopers and where Kara may have came from. Okay, so this backwater, you know, he calls it a backwater planet. No star ports, no, you know, no anything. Yep. He said, "Sounds like, sounds like place to lie low or something like that." He's talking to the child. Also, didn't the opening you, thing. Didn't you mention there's a word for that? Oh yeah, there's a a phrase. Um, it's uh to, to like uh tactical tactically disappear or something like that. I don't know the uh, the Mandalorian verse, but in by galactic basic, it means something like tactically disappear. Yeah, so they the. So when the Mandalorians, when they would uh, get in over their heads, they would pretty much just, you know, split up like, you know, 
and say, okay, everybody disappear, and we'll meet back up later. Or, or, or they had like a designated place that, or, you know, or they reasoned a designated place that they would meet up. Like in, um, in like again, folks, I know I reference these books a lot. The uh, Republic Commando series by Karen Travis. There was a point in there where um, Sergeant Scarada, he was with his, his boys, and um, something happened, and they had to, oh, that's where they were, like, robbing a bank, or it was uh, Waylon Val's father's bank or something, I don't know. And they got separated, and they had to split up, but uh, they ended up meeting all back on Mandalore, and uh, that's what they did. They had to get the heck out of there, because it, it caused a lot of commotion. It was a... Waylon Vow's father is like a prince or a king or something like that, if I remember correctly. But yeah, that's just, you know, an example of, you know, you know folks, just so I'm not leading you on, I'll find out exactly what it is. But I mean, that's pretty much what it means, though, is just to, to tactically disappear. Yeah, man, but you called that. You called that straight up like that's that's exactly what you said. Last episode, we talked about that. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I was like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, look, there it is. There it is right there. <laughs> well, it, like, it's, it, it's, it was a common thing for Mandalorians Warriors to do. Like when the dish is a fan, they, they, if it's a battle, they couldn't win. It was, it wasn't retreat. It was, well, you know, we'll find some other way to, you know, in the Marine Corps, it's, it's not retreating. It's advancing in another direction. So, <laughs> Hey, it works. It works. He lands on this planet, and uh, it seems like a good spot to chill out, right? But as soon as, as soon as he walks into the first place he walks into, you know, it's like it's such a backwater planet with no, no kind of uh, starports, but yet his currency is valuable. Right. Okay. Yeah. It is. It is rare. I wonder what currency he's using because, if you recall, in episode one, he, uh, he said, "What is was imperial credits aren't worth anything." So, what what kind of currency is he using? Yeah. This. I mean, there's got to be something, you know. And like, as soon as he flips that coin, it's like, the you know, this woman is in awe and like super duper like you know, bowing to him and stuff. Yeah, she's like, well, thank you. I thought it was kind of, uh, it wasn't the reaction I would have expected it. Like, uh, a lot of the books I read and obviously the movies we've seen, whenever there's like a bribe of some sort like that, or, or sort of seemed like a bribe, like he was trying to get more information out of him. It was like, a, I would imagine them sitting down and talking a bit more, but I guess she really had no more information because she was like, well, thank you, you know? Yeah. <sighs> But yeah, I thought that was I thought it was kind of funny. That waitress chick, she was, she was like a, I don't know, a little, a little too happy to be on a nothing. <laughs> you would think, you know, I like a bone broth for the little one. Good, yeah, I just killed a, just killed a creature earlier, you know, and it's like okay. <laughs> but Amanda's thinking to himself, he's like, I don't care if you just get the bone broth, please. Right. Let's see what's that? What what's another good point to talk about? So we we know he's on Sorgan, and she mentions uh, mentions Spachka, which I don't know. Yeah. It, Let's talk about Spachka. What's Spachka? So Spacha Spachka is like a um 
a beverage. I don't know if it's alcoholic or whatever they would. Um, for me, it, I, I would think it would be alcoholic just because of like how people enjoy it, you know, like a beer, I guess. But it's that krill that that krill that they're farming on that planet. That's what that's where spotcha comes from. They turn the krill into spotcha, and it's uh, brewed by resident farmers in an isolated farming village. But that's, I mean, that's really all I know about it, is it, it's just a, a <laughs> beverage that the, the krill are created. Yeah, I mean, you could, you would just have to akin it to an alcoholic beverage. Yeah, know? I would think so. I mean, why else would those, so going a little bit farther into the episode, why, why would the uh, Clatoonians, which are the bulldog face people, for lack of a better description, like, I mean, would you go raid a village for milk shrimps? yeah for from, shrimps? like yeah, shrimp, shrimp milk if, if okay like if you knew the shrimp could be turned into a beverage would you do it if it was for milk or would you do it if it was for like top of the line alcoholic beverage for that planet i mean you know it's you know what i mean like it's lucrative like, yeah exactly like i, I wouldn't go right to village and say, hey i'm gonna get some milk some shrimp milk no i'm gonna go get it get some <laughs> i'm gonna go get some shrimp milk <laughs> get some good beer for me and my Bulldog buddies. Oh man, I just that needs to be a meme. Shrimp milk. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll make it, yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, technically, well, I mean, probably is kind of wrong. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you you said they brew it, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, they uh... have to. They, I would think they'd have to brew it. So. I so... You know, let's let's take a look at. So you said her name earlier. Yeah, Cara Dune. Cara Dune. Um, yes. Now, how do we meet Cara Dune? Well, like, we... she's just she's she's on the run, and she recognizes him as a bounty hunter. Yeah, she specifically says that um, she figured he was from the guild. And had a fob for her, and that's why she, quote unquote, came at him so hard. Was she? Let's talk about that fight scene. Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about fobs for a minute. Okay, we'll talk about fobs. Um, what do they link? Like, like, how does a fob just just magically track you? <sighs> so I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. But if if I remember correctly, in the first episode, that uh, um. You remember how the man Mandalorian is asking the um guild leader for uh, wh- whatever like the identification number of the child. He didn't know it was a child at the time, but he was like, "Well, what's the 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 number? I forgot what what kind of number." But he asked what number it was. And he was like, "I can only give the last four digits." He's like, "You can only give me its birthday." So I actually have it down in my notes. For the first episode, I was like, what is that? Is that like the equivalent to a social security number of the universe, you know? And it's yeah. the last four digits are, of course, your birthday. But what, what about the rest of the digits? How many digits are there? Blah, blah, blah. And I I don't know if that's, if it's like, a, if the fob is attuned to, to your life force because they know, like, I don't know, you're your birth number, I guess. I'm I'm not sure how it tracks it. I really don't. Maybe they have a sample of DNA and it 
Um, as you get closer to that DNA, it beeps faster, you know? Yeah, maybe so. I have no idea how it's linked to the, the child or the Mandalorian, you know? Maybe it's like... Uh... Maybe it's manipulating the Minichlorians and using the Force. Maybe so. Maybe it is reading like a Force signature, you know? Yeah. So, so I mean, it's got to be something like that because it's not like everybody who's born it has a chip inserted into them and then they can be tracked like that. You know what I mean? That's it. So that fight scene. Oh my God, she. She fought really well against someone in a lot of armor. You know, shock trooper. Yeah, but I mean, she really went to town. Like I, I'm, and like she'd punch him in his helmet, and like it, you could see, you could tell it hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> you know how when you get in a car accident, they say there's like three impacts: there's the car impact, and then your body impact, and then your organs impact. Yeah. When she punched the helmet, there were three impacts. There was her fist, his face, and his brain. <laughs> like he, if it, she Rocky. slammed him like hard. Oh man. She folded him over. Yeah, she she really did a number on like I was surprised that he got his butt kicked that easily by a, a shock trooper. Not nothing against shock troopers. Or, you know, or females or anything. It's just that it just, you know, he's a Mandalorian and she's just a shock trooper. So, just a shock trooper. I mean, okay. Not just a shock trooper, but you, you know what I mean. I don't know. At the ease that she beat his ass, he's just <laughs> a Mandalorian. Well, maybe so. <laughs> just <laughs> a Mandalorian. <laughs> Oh man, so it's like I don't know, man. That fight scene is where I'm. I'm the way I, it ended, and you know, it was like a stalemate. Oh, and the little—that's what it was. The baby Yoda standing there. Yeah, that's hilarious. On the bone broth, like. <laughs> Like the equivalent, uh, Kermit the Frog, man. Exactly. The equivalent to Kermit and his wine glass. It's hilarious. It's none of my business what's going on. Right. No, that's hilarious. Those memes are so funny, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. I've been sharing memes all up and down the Facebook page at Two Drunken Javas. I need to figure out how to share it directly to the page. Yeah. I don't know. You have an iPhone. Don't you? Yeah, maybe just type in two dragon jobs. Anyway, because I, I see a lot of memes for it, and it's hilarious. Like, Dude. it's just laying in bed, everybody's sleeping, I just bust out laughing. <laughs> it's hilarious. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Oh, man. Okay, let's see here. <sighs> so, okay, he meets Carl. Kara pretty much says, hey, th- I was here first, so you should probably leave. And he says to the child, he's like, well, I guess we gotta find some other planet to live on. And yeah, this planet's taken. 
Exactly. Like I guess, I guess, what is it? I guess there really is honor among criminals, you know. I, I mean, but are they really criminals or just outcasts? I guess you know, for someone that they just met, right? Like, like to have that mutual respect, right? There. Exactly. You know, you know, some people, you know, there are probably a, a lot of people that would probably say, "No, you should leave," and if you don't, you know, like kick your ass and it'd be you know round two, and then there will be one person emerge from that fight. But no, the Mandalorian is mad respect. He's like. Yep, you're right. Following that, you, is he is he repairing the ship or is he just doing like a pre-flight inspection? I think he's just doing pre-flight. He's just looking over it, make sure everything's okay. You know, nothing happened. It's you know, and uh, I, I know whenever you know you, you go to an airport, they have like a pre-flight inspection before every flight. So I can only imagine he probably has his own. Yeah. Rather be safer than sorry. The Clatoonians. There the it bull, is. There the bulldog face people. Oh yeah. man, these guys are ugly. They actually make an appearance in the resi- in the resistance. I think. I haven't seen it. I haven't but, seen it either. You know, so they're raiding this village for their their shirt milk. <laughs> 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 and they're using an ATST. To do it with. Not like yeah. to do it with, but like the shock and awe of the ATSD. Um and watching this episode with his ATSD, and we'll get to it later on in the episode. Um, I was curious about the size of it. It seemed like it was bigger than I remembered from you know the ATSTs we saw in Return of the Jedi. Absolutely not. It's is very similar in size. Yeah, I you know I I I went back and watched it again today, and yeah, they are they they did a very good job at that, and they they really did. And that is just terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, to go from you know the 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 old you know the best they had um, special effects and all that back then to the special effects of 2019 it's um the red lights you yeah. know the, yeah Dude. i think that's actually the the lights from the control panel on the inside just coming out of the viewports of the front you know what i mean yeah oh it's still but yeah it looks menacing it it it's it was really cool it was I, uh, the amount of detail that went into that was pretty cool do you think it was kind of now? We'll get to that later. The uh, so this village is suffering, and when the Mandalorian's flying in, he flies over this village. No, and and they just like randomly send people. Hey, go go that way. There was a ship that went that way. You go that way too. Or do, <laughs> do, do, I didn't even think, think of that. Do you think they knew like where the only town was big enough for you know a ship to visit, you know? But he's like, we traveled two days for nothing, and the Mandalorian's like, wait a minute, you you live in the middle of nowhere, and they say yeah, and he says you got lodging, they say yeah, he 
He says, "All right, come help carry some stuff." Yeah. <laughs> he says, "I'm in, boys. Let's go." Yep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and give me those credits. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. I'm in. I wonder, and, and and you know, I'm thinking about that. Why did he do that? Because realistically, was it just for him to lie low for a few days, or was it because he was actually trying to find a spot for his coven? Because I, if you, if you think about it, it's he says he, he says it to Kara. Um. He uh. He he says to Kara, I'm trying to trying to think of the words. He says to Kara that um, dang it, dang it, dang it. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, the train has left the station. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. So he says to Kari, he's like, you know, she she says, so we're pretty much going to go fight Raiders for lunch money. He's like, so, you know, I kind of figured that you'd want to um come with me out in the middle of nowhere so we could lay low for a bit, you know? So I, I, I don't think he was doing it for the Covenant. I think he just wanted to go out there and be, you know, away, like, so nobody will find him. But then he left his ship. And you know, obviously by now everybody probably knows what who what, you know who, who the Razor Crest belongs to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... So I, I I don't know why did he take that job? Like really? Maybe I'm looking too deep into it. And he really just wanted to go hang out in the middle of nowhere for a while. Yeah, he did because you know what? Maybe the ship is easier to track. So if he flew a ship over there, it'd be easier to track him there. But this way, it's not easy to track him there. He's two days away from his ship. True, but I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, I, if I if I couldn't find him, but I knew where his ship was, I would camp out by a ship, wait for him to come back. And you know what? You would think he would have learned his lesson about leaving a ship out in the middle of nowhere, while he goes somewhere else. Yeah, right. Oh boy, guild leader got up in a ship. Not only that, but the Jawas stole his his everything. Oh my god, you're right. I don't know why that slipped my mind. He's probably like, like two episodes ago. He's probably like you know, he's like, there ain't no Jawas out here. <laughs> like, there ain't no way. But you're right. I think he's learned his lesson. I, I I agree with you. I, I that's pretty funny. <laughs> Maybe he didn't bring a ship because it would have alerted the Clatoonians. They would have noticed that something was up, you know? Maybe so. But yeah, that's that's actually... When you put it like that, it's like, okay, Mando, you're messing up again. <laughs> He's probably like, you know how many times I left that ship alone? And how many times has Jawas have stolen stuff off of it once? So he's probably like, that's probably never going to happen again. You know what, though? How do we know? How do we really know that that's the only time that's ever happened to him? Well, of course we don't know, but that dude, that dude probably gets jacked by Jawas like at least once a quarter. You know? I don't know. You saw him try to get his stuff back, and he got zapped by him on the top of that sand crawler. And the only way he got his stuff back is from 
the help of uh oh boy you know what I'm talking about blur herder blur what the heck is his name but uh anyway so scruffy <laughs> looking blurred herder yeah exactly who's scruffy but yeah without the help of him we, i don't think he would have got his stuff back at least not nearly as fast and then not nearly as good condition right and then oh boy helped him put it back together so he did. you know what let's Pretty go awesome. ahead and put this episode back together and get back to episode four yeah <laughs> agree agree <sighs> so, so so here we are, middle of nowhere, you know, we got a bunch of women and a bunch of kids at this point, because there's like maybe a few men you see, but like really it's just women and kids. Yeah, it's, you know, like peaceful looking villagers. Right. Yeah, just they're krill farmers, man, that not meant for fighting, they're meant for uh, picking up baskets of shrimp out of the water. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, you know. The... Hey, did you notice the droid in the background doing the shrimping? Oh, yeah. It was like a flamingo with like long, you know what I'm talking about? Long legs that bent weird. Yeah. And it dipped the basket. I thought they that was very well put together. Me too. Yeah. Like even just, like if even if you, in real life, if a droid were to do that, how it would have to stand and, you know, distribute its weight and stuff. I thought it did a good job. Um, doing that, you know, the way it was like structured, it, it was like a stooping droid, like it was meant to do that. Obviously, it was, was meant to do that, but I mean, it was believable, you know what I mean? Right, it was just the way it was built and the physics of it, and its center mass was always, you know, in between its legs and centered over it, even as it stooped. It, it was pretty cool, I liked it, it was, and I did notice that actually. So they find themselves in this little sleepy village, and obviously there's been stuff going on. So they, I guess they decided it would be a good idea to go scout, see what they oh, can see. Talking about Mando and Kara. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the whole reason why they're there. Right. Yeah, they're gonna go and check out what's going on. You know, they they're walking through the woods. You know, the Mando's using his is a T visor to try to see the footprints like he did, you know, tracking Kara earlier that episode. And he notices the ATST, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the ATST track. And he's like, hmm. And this is one of the funniest parts in the whole episode. Him and Kara go back to the, sh- the village and he says, bad news. You can't live here anymore. <laughs> Literally one of the funniest lines in the whole series right now. Bad news. You can't live here anymore. Okay, so they can't live there anymore. And, um, you know, bad news. Uh, so, they're in the middle of nowhere. Tells them they can't live there. The guys say, you know, so you took the job. So, of course, you know, the Mandalorian, with the help of the ex-shock trooper Kara, they devise a plan to destroy the ATST walker. You know, and this is, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, you think about um, in actual practicality, 
it, isn't it called like a, a bear fall or something like that? Whenever they dig, when you dig a deep hole and you lure whatever it is over and it falls in and dies. You know what I mean? Pitfall. Yeah, like a, a pitfall. I'm no um, Native American hunter, but I'm just I know that that is probably a similar aspect. They dug a deep hole for this ATSC to fall in and yeah, topple, topple over. You know, stripping it. You know, there's evidence that they that that prehistoric man would uh, herd things like um, mammoths, woolly mammoths, off of cliffs, and then go down to the bottom of the cliff and harvest it. Really? Yeah, man. Because they couldn't, they couldn't really kill them otherwise. I guess you're right. Yeah, they didn't really have any of the firepower we got nowadays. So, hey man, tactics like pitfalls and and you know pushing mammoths off a cliff been around for a while. Yeah, it's a, you know, a long time ago, and in all the galaxies, including the one far, far away. Yep. <laughs> so ah. they they create a a pitfall for this. This ATST, and I, the goal is to get it to step into the water, where, you know, maybe the 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 what what's the what's the race again? For the Clatoonians. Clatoonians. See, I think I keep trying to say. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, so the Clatoonians. <laughs> Um, they uh, they've been there before. Do you think that that they've stepped in those ponds before with the ATSC? Um, like how many times were they raided before these people were like, "Oh, a ship went that way. We'll go that way." Scooby Dooby Doo. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, realistically, I. I don't think they would step into it on purpose, but I kind of—they probably figured that it wasn't too deep to top it. You know what I mean? That's probably why he went ahead and stepped into it. But it—I mean, why would you want to put yourself in a situation like that anyway? You know, that's why he probably didn't step in it right off the bat. You know, he was probably like, "Yeah, you know, I don't know about that." Yeah, heard that. But, but then he was like, "Okay, I really need to get this chick because she's messing me up." So he steps forward and he topples over. And I know, I know, this is jumping back a little bit, but let's go back to when the Mando is talking to the the villager chick that apparently has a crush on him in the hut, and she's talking about his helmet and removing it, and whatnot, right? And we all know, you know, at least if we've seen it, the Mandor is like, you know, I can take it off, I just can't put it back on. When he tells that the Kara outside of the hut when he's telling her he's leaving the child and all that. Well, I don't know if you guys have played KOTOR or read those books or whatever, but all those Mandalorians took their helmets off and put them back on regularly. So I did some research on it. And I guess um, the reason they do it is because they... They want their since anybody can become a Mandalorian, as I've said before, 
anybody can be adopted as a Mandalorian and whatnot, then the, as long as they're willing to accept the ways of, of the Mando. And the point of the helmet is to signify that they are in fact Mandalorian and would and whatever they were underneath the helmet is no longer them. You know what I mean? So let's just say um, the Mandalorian is a tweet that cut off his Liku to so he could put his helmet on. You know what I mean? Let's just I'm just going there. Then right now we're thinking he's just like um, at least me. I have in my mind. I just imagine a human male underneath the armor but in fact he could be anything he could be a clatoonian he could be a twi'lek he could be a mithril you know he could be any of these he'd be a rhodian for all we know you know what i mean right so that's the the, the reason why they keep their helmet on is to signify that they're mandalorian regardless of what they are underneath the helmet i just thought it was kind of weird though because like like i said if you've read the books or you've played the games, you notice that the Mandalorians have removed their helmet and and put it back on in the um, presence of other people also. So it's kind of confusing to me. Even in the time of Rebels, they were taking them off and putting them back on. Right, so yeah. Look Sabine Wren. Yep, she, she did it. And you remember when she went to... Remember when they were trying to fly through that space and they were they ran into some uh, Imperial Mandalorians and whatnot? Yeah, and the leader didn't have his helmet on at all ever. Like he never put that, you never put that thing on. So I, I just, yeah, you're right. I mean, she would, you know, voluntarily take it off, put it back on, and when she runs into her, I guess you could say guardian slash mentor. You remember that other chick that she ran into? And was like, you've changed. Anyway, regardless, she took off her helmet and she put it back on. And she was a Mandalorian and a bounty hunter. But that's it, it was. Just, it's just a little. That's one of those iffy things where it's like, yeah, you know, we don't take our helmets off because you know we're all Mandos. But there's plenty of. Uh, they might be like they might be like Orthodox Mandalorians. Maybe so. Maybe it's. Like they still, still Mando. It's just that they something compelled. Like they had to take off their helmet for a reason, and so it's okay now. I, I don't know. Regardless, it it's just kind of one of those iffy facts where it's like, yeah, it's true, but it's been debunked before, you know. But of course, in this aspect, we need to we need to keep it because you know it's kind of a big deal not knowing this guy's origin or identity and stuff like that. Considering he doesn't even have a name, right? So, I mean, but he is—he we we know he's even male because of you know flashbacks that he had when he was a child. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but I'm just saying, you know, if we didn't know that, he could have been anything. Like he could have been, like I said, a Rodian or a Platoonian or Transdotian, All this, and his helmet just has a, you know, a a translator. You know, that way you don't know what his voice really sounds like. But I, I it's it to me, like I said, that was one of those iffy things where I'm just like, yeah, it's cool that you're keeping your helmet on, but I know some Mandalorians that have taken it off. You know what I mean? Right. So he talks about he's he's had it on since he was a kid. Yeah. Talk, yeah, he says ever since he was a, a, a foundling or whatever. He hasn't taken it off in the presence of anybody else. And that's why the, the armor asked him back 
in episode three, she was like, you know, that was has your signet been compromised or something like that? I don't, something along those lines of like, you know, does anybody remove your helmet? And he's like, no. And it, I mean, that's it's obviously very important to him to keep it, keep his helmet on. So she gives him some food, and she's like, you know, I'm gonna roll out and let you do your thing. And he just sits in a wide open window and takes his helmet off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why I understand. Like, literally, they could have glanced up and saw him. It wasn't trying to hide, you know, if it was that big of a deal, it would have closed the window, closed the door, locked what he could, and eaten like that. But no, he's wide open window, flap open. You know, Miles have just been standing there butt naked in the window seal. Right? But yeah, I completely agree with that. He, uh, Kind of, kind of. I don't know. Just you know, one of those things. It's kind of funny that he says it's a big deal, but then he takes it off in, in a window. People can see him. Let's see here. Do you think that? Oh man, I had it and I lost it. Hmm. Oh well. While you're thinking about it, we figure out there on the fight. During the Clatoonian brawl fight shootout that they had, that his rifle is a pulse rifle. Yeah, man, I was looking into that, and Boba Fett had a pulse rifle as well. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty, that's pretty sick. Right. So now we know that what the the pulse rifle. Because I mean, it's been bugging me. Like I said, ever since I saw it, I wanted to find out more about his rifle. And now we know pulse rifle vaporization. You know, destroys all living or, or fleshy, I guess, materials. Leaves the cloth. It, it, you know, it's pretty, you know, badass rifle. Like as he was zapping those jobs like they were gnats in a in a <laughs> poof, poof, yeah. poof. Literally, they were oh, just running around. But the rifle has no effect on anything. Like they used it against the, the ATST, but it didn't really do much. Didn't do anything. Yeah, it was just I think it was more like to try to get its attention. Yeah, it probably like, it probably hits hard, but it probably didn't do any damage. You know what I mean? Yeah, it probably only affects like organic matter. Exactly. Yeah, that's the world's organic. You know. So, you know, we got we find out it's a pulse rifle. What about when it's all said and done? They kill the you know, destroy the ATST, run the Clatoonians off, taught the villagers how to pretty much defend themselves. Since the Clatoonians don't have an ATST, they're pretty much a lot on more even ground, I guess. Um is this goodbye to Kara now? Because he leaves, you know. He take he was talking about leaving the child, and the bounty hunter shows up. Car kills him, and he, you know, pretty much concurred or uh, came to a conclusion that he couldn't leave the child if there were still fobs out for him. So he had to, him and the child had to go bye bye. Well, yeah, because he tells her, uh, they talk about what she's going to do next. Hmm. That slipped my mind. It's like, uh, he. They talk about how it's too, you know, it's too much heat right here. You might want to cycle the maps and blocka blocka blocka. 
and then that's whenever she said the, the line about taking the helmet off and all that. Well, I mean, so he destroys the fob, and he's talking the car. He's got the child on the the cart, and they exchange words. And let's see here. She tells him until our paths cross again. It's like a. Isn't that a Mandalorian saying almost? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't recognize it. it could be, but she it says sounds it like familiar. Yeah. It sounds like familiar and something that they should know, you know. Yeah. That's what it was. She offered him an escort back to a ship. And he's like, nah, we're just going to bypass the town and head right to the Razor Crest. And she says, well then, until our paths cross. And he repeats it back to her. I think that's just a, you know, I don't think that's really Amanda saying. Um... Yeah, it's it's I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This episode I just maybe it's because I'm watching the Clone Wars. I just watched an episode of the Clone Wars that was almost exactly like this episode. Except they like had crash landed on the planet or something like that, and the people were like, Oh, you gotta help us. And at first, Obi-Wan and Anakin were like, oh, no, we can't help you, blah, 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 blah. But then they end up, you know, helping them or whatever. And it's got bounty hunters and ish in it, too. So it's like it was almost mirrored the same theme of the episode. I, I, I just felt like it was Dave Filoni, like, you know. Or it might not have been an homage to that style because that style is repeated a lot in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed this episode, but I felt like there wasn't a whole lot to to pick out of it. You know what I mean? It was pretty straightforward. There's nothing nothing to creeping around in the background that we should know about, other than you know, shock troopers. Um, where do they get the eight? That's a good question. I was never answered. You know, where do they get the ATST? How'd they get it onto the planet? That doesn't seem like a planet that was wrought. For um, during the Clone Wars or during, um, that you know, doesn't mean the Imperial the Empire didn't have, you know, maybe an outpost there just for the hell, yeah, for the hell yeah, of it. something like that. Yeah, maybe you're right. I just so there's only one ATST in the whole planet, or at least in that area. I I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe because they were like, well, this is a. Exactly what the Mandalorian said. It's just a backwater swamp planet. I just need one. I feel like this was definitely a filler episode. Yeah, maybe they're setting it up. I know my wife's. Um, uh, well, you know what? This is fan service. It was fan service. That's exactly what this was. Because you know what? If after all that went down, he didn't find a place to go he didn't try to go find a place to lie you know lie low right away the the people that truly knew the mandalorian way would call him out on it because you said yourself you know whenever they would catch too much heat they would just go into hiding every time so if he didn't do that and he just went trucking along with the with the baby you know like uh Let's go, you know, let's go adventure the universe. 
No, I'm going to lay low because the heat is on, and this is what we do as a Mandalorian. It just, I don't know. I feel like it was fan service. Maybe so, yeah. I mean, that's what he was trying to do. He's trying to find a, he's trying to find some place to lie low. But of course, it turned into because you know he's our hero. It turned into a uh, helped, you know, helped a little guy kind of thing. Um, what I was about to say though was my wife has been bugging me to watch uh, episode five because one of her favorite actresses is in it, and it's uh, you know who you know Ming Na Wen. You know you know what I'm talking about. No. The I don't know if you've ever seen Agents of Shield, but um, Mulan. or Mulan. She's the voice of Mulan. She's um, okay. Okay, yeah, I got she, you now. She's the Asian chick in you know Agents of Shield. Uh, you know she's in Agents of Shield. She's pretty hardcore. But so my wife's been wondering when she's gonna pop up, and she saw it on Facebook that she's in the next episode. She's been bugging me about it. So that's something to look forward to next episode. I hope next episode is more eventful and Star Warsy. You know what I mean? I want the story to progress. Exactly. Yeah. This, like you said, this is kind of a filler episode. He just kind of met up with the shark trooper, and now he left. He left without her. It's it, it would be cool if he like joined her, joined his party for lack of better words. But man, that's it. It's cross paths. Yeah, because and... because on that on the planet with the uh, blur herder, he offered the blur herder a position on his ship. Yeah, but you know he's he 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 had spoken so. I have spoken. Yeah, I have spoken. And it's very matter matter of fact. Well, you know, what he whatever he said he meant to say. I've spoken. But yeah, then, I, I, I then know. again, you know, the blurg herder was there for the time he was on that planet and then he just left. He didn't bring the blurg herder with him, but he tried. So I don't know. I don't think he tried to bring the blurg herder. He was just telling him that, you know, he he wanted to repay him. And he was like, nonsense, you know? Yeah. But no, I get what you're saying. Like that, he played a very big, a key role in that episode, just like um, Kara did in this episode. They played very key roles. And it just seems like goodbye. That's it. We haven't, we haven't seen the Blurg Herder since episode two, you know? Right. And but it went. That's the way of the Mandalorian. This is the way. This is the way. So, um, yeah, man. Anything so I, else? Any any other notes? I, well, like I said, I just hope next episode is more Star Wars because you know this episode was more like you know I'm a good guy. I'm you know not really in the do anything right now. I'm trying to lay low. Oh, well, you guys need help? I know a chick. We go help. You know, it's there's there's like one bounty hunter and he's in there for like 10 seconds and gets blasted by Kara and they they leave the, you know it, it to me it wasn't a very uh it wasn't as exciting it, especially after the previous episode it wasn't nearly as exciting as the previous episode with shootouts and blasters it was and you know the Cotunians aren't like a I mean they got outdone by some village some krill villagers so they weren't some Worthy opponents. They were just some thugs. Those who were Mandalorian trained crew. <laughs> Mandalorian 
Mandalorian trade curl farmers, shock trooper trained. That's right. These were literally shrimp milk farmers. Shock, you know, Mandalorian shock trooper, shrimp milker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. The Clatoonians didn't even stand a chance. Nope. But yeah, I mean, I, folks, apologize. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to nitpick out of this episode, not a whole lot of historical content that I could throw my two cents in, but uh, we analyzed it, we talked about it, now we can move on to episode five. So, And I've been chomping at the bit to get to episode five because of that. Oh, me too, man. It's I'm so excited. Wife and I I'm so excited. Watch it tomorrow. <laughs> like Jesse from Saved by the Bell. Oh, throwback. Anyways. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I got, Mike. Do you have anything else? Nope. Oh, well, folks, it, again, if you, you know, and I'm going to try to include this or, or mention it at least in each episode. If you guys have some sort of feedback, want to hear what we want to talk, if you want to hear something specific you would like us to talk about or for us to elaborate on something more, please let us know on our Facebook page, Two Drunken Javas, or Mike, Mike will tell you there's a whole slew of different things that our podcast is on now. So Mike will tell you all the different things because I don't even know all of them. Listen, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, man, TuneIn Radio. I mean, legitimately everywhere. And just however you normally listen to your podcast we're there just hit that subscribe button leave us a review that'd be pretty cool i've never asked for reviews on any of my other podcasts so we'll see what what that's like but uh share it share it with your friends and your family and your, your uh star wars fans yeah your buddies the ones that know, the ones that know star wars let, let them hear about it let them nitpick give us reviews you know, give hey, us. Man, they can they can debunk us. Yeah, go, go ahead. I'm sure I've made some mistakes. I, I ain't gonna lie, folks. You know, this is my first podcast, so I, I'm sure some things just slipped my mind. I've tripped over myself a few times. So I, please let let us know if we messed up. We'll let you know if you're right or if I'm right. Or dude, call us out. Go to facebook.com forward slash two drunken jawas and call us out on our stage. <laughs> Other than that, guys, please, you know, feel free to leave us some sort of feedback. That that would be great. It only better the channel. Trust us. All right, then. Well, um, still don't have any kind of exit. Yeah, we should really work yeah. on that. This is episode four. We should we we should we should have something by now. I don't know. I mean, Boutini. <laughs>